Hi everyone, this is a data Enrico here. This is a data stories special edition directly from Atlanta. I'm attending the BIS conference, formerly known as BIS Week conference, and I am here with Robert Cosara. Hi Robert. <laughs> Hi Enrico. It's it's great to have you here on the show again. That's Thank you. That, that's fantastic. I'm actually I have to say that I'm planning with Morris to have have you on the show uh, once again after this one. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we didn't finish our talk last time. Last That's time, right. yeah. yeah, we still yeah. have to talk about a lot of storytelling kind of things mm -hmm. and what you are what you are up to at Tableau right now. I'm sure you've been doing a lot more stuff in the meantime. Mm -hmm. But let's talk about this. Uh, of course, this is totally improvised, and uh, of course, the audio quality might not be the best. But I think I'm sure, I'm sure it's gonna be good enough for for listening to what we have to say here. <laughs> um, so, Robert, what do you think about the conference? Did you enjoy it as usual? Yes, is it actually, any different I, from the past? I think <laughs> I actually enjoy it more than usual. I mean, right now I'm a bit fatigued from sitting in all these sessions, and I'm kind of everything just blurs together but I think it was actually really good it was I'm a bit careful not to say that it necessarily was better than the last year's but I think it, it, it was it was pretty good I liked a lot of the papers and yeah I think I, I really I really enjoyed it it's and I really like the venue too it's the, the hotel absolutely. is actually much better than most of the ones we've had in the absolutely. last years I agree and the uh, Wi-Fi finally oh, yeah. worked <laughs> <That's> <laughs> there were a few glitches yeah. here and there but the Wi-Fi most most of the time worked really really well mm. I'm surprised actually yeah I didn't have time myself to go around a little bit or visiting like the Coca-Cola Museum mm. or anything like that. Did you? The aquarium? Well, no, yeah, no. Yeah. I just I just went out on a run on on Sunday, a bit into the area outside, and it's actually kind of nice. So that it has like the the fall weather now, so that it's there are these residential areas around here that are quite nice. Yeah. But yeah, I didn't get to see any of the actual sites around here. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let's start. What? Where do you want to start? Well, we could go through like the program a bit. Yeah, let's go through the, the program. Yeah, with yeah, the sure. like the. I actually the have to say that I came perhaps. here late on Tuesday, so I skipped quite some some sessions. But yeah, I'll try to follow you. Okay. <laughs> okay. Just start wherever you are. Well, I was just gonna start with the keynote. So I didn't actually go to a lot of sessions before that, but um, I, I the so the keynote was interesting because the or the the opening session I should say. Because they talked a bit about the number of attendees and the fact that there are about a hundred people who aren't actually here because of the government shutdown here in the U.S. Uh -huh. And so that actually may, means that we had quite a few fewer people here than last year. So I think we were just under 900 and last year was just over a thousand. So we lost yeah. a, a number of people there. But um, I think it was still good. And the... Uh, and then there was the keynote, uh, Eris, uh, Aiden, Eris Lieberman Aiden did a really good job, actually. I liked his, his keynote. He talked about a number of different topics that had to do with his work on modeling um, genome data, I guess. And, and he also did some work that, that somewhat related to that that had to do with, with text and engrams. And it was, he, he did a really good job, I think, making some very interesting connections between social network analysis and, and gene analysis and stuff like that. It was a really good, good keynote, I thought. Uh -huh, uh -huh. So is he originally, uh, what, I think he's a system professor. Is he a biologist or what? 
Uh, well, he's some sort of mix, I guess, between a computational scientist or okay. something like that. I don't okay. actually know. Okay. And a biologist. But yeah, I think he's, he's, he, he's somewhere in between the different fields from what I know. Okay. okay. Any special take-home messages from his talk? Well, um, so one thing I really appreciated after that talk is how little you actually get from these the sequencing data because you get these kind of keyhole pictures of the data and how much you have to infer from that. Uh -huh. And he did a good job of, of comparing that to what you get when you look at like small numbers of, of uh, or small parts of a data set, of a large data set. Okay. But he had some interesting interesting things there. So yeah, it was pretty interesting. I don't know if there's anything in particular that I really took away from yeah, that. But. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's move on to the program then. Mm -hmm. um, that is Tuesday, right? So, in which session were you? So I was in the vast session because I was chairing oh. that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that was the, the first session had a bit of a intro to vast and the, the interesting thing there was that the VAST is now at 26% acceptance rate. Maybe you should rate. explain to our listeners what is VAST. Oh, they might sorry. actually yes. not know it. So there are three three conferences uh, at VIS, and VIS now actually stands for, so it's now <laughs> an acronym for those three conferences. So V stands for VAST, I is InfoVIS, and S is for SciVIS. And so VAST is also an acronym, and it stands for Visual Analysis. No, sorry, Visual Analytics, Science and Technology. That's what VAST means. And uh, it, it, that, that's the latest addition to the to the three conferences. It used to be a symposium. It's now been a conference for three years or so, three or four At least years. A couple of years. Yeah. And this is the first year that the VAST proceedings are also in TVCG. That's the Transactions for Visualization and Computer Graphics Journal. And that's also InfoViz and SciViz papers are also in that. And the this year they had an acceptance rate at, at VAST of 26%, which is essentially what you expect from a good conference. It's comparable to the others, right? Yes, it's yeah. very close, I think, to the other two yeah. and to Eurobiz and, uh, and others. And so uh, I, th I don't know exactly how this really compares to last year, which but that, that I think was closer to 30%. And it's been so, we, so the quality has been increasing over time. I think so. We're so we're doing well the million there. dollar question. Just answer in a few seconds. So what's the difference between past infobiz and cybiz? Very very briefly. <laughs> I know I know that's a tough one. I mean maybe you shouldn't. Yeah, I shouldn't have asked. <laughs> No, okay. I can I can try. So, yeah, so Scivis is all about what's what what used to be kind of the original data visualization, which is volume data and flow data. That's what this is called scientific data, scientific data visualization. It's more on the graphics side, right? Yes, and it's that, that is very heavy on the rendering yeah. and on the yeah. on the algorithms. And then InfoViz, information visualization, is more about data that's not coming from from those areas essentially. So everything that has to do with networks, with financial data, all these, these things that aren't tied to physical objects necessarily, that is uh, InfoViz and VAST. And it, there's been this discussion going on for a while between <laughs> InfoViz and VAST, what's the actual difference? And I think the maybe, maybe the difference is that InfoViz is a tad more on the theory side and Vast, at least in the past, had a bit more on on process, on on how you how you build systems and how you go through 
data acquisition and provenance of data mm-hmm, and so on, mm-hmm. which is much less in in uh, in Infobiz, but it's it's a very blurry line. It's very yeah, hard to actually yeah, yeah. Uh, distinguish the two. Okay, thank you. Sorry for the question. <laughs> that was a tough one. Yeah, let's move on to the sessions. So, what what did you see there? Anything interesting worth mentioning? So you had yeah. a best paper there. Well, I mean, there was a right. best paper in your session. Yes. Yeah. So that one was about um, the uh, the modeling of of decision uh, the, the, the yeah, of, of basically data to <laughs> to support decision making essentially and uh, and and kind of high level modeling and how to how to show the model versus the data and so on. That was a pretty interesting paper. Mm-hmm. Um, the the more int- so yeah so that that was a good paper. Uh, some of the more m- more memorable papers, or the more the ones that were more interesting for me in particular, were more on the Infobiz side, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah. In particular, Michelle Borkin's paper on memorability. Yeah, let's was, talk about was very that. Interesting. that. That's an interesting one. Yeah. So, I don't know. You, you want to go? Or do you want me to <laughs> talk about it? Yeah, I think if I remember <laughs> well, the paper on memorability is uh, an experiment trying to understand what uh, when a chart is memorable, right? And why? And if I remember correctly, they have an interesting experimental setup where they um, they experimented with thousands of existing charts and uh, infographics taken from a big database that I think they have built on their own, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. kind of like 6,000 charts, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then they set up an experiment on Mechanical Turk. And uh, uh, how was the setup? So they, they have been shown, oh yeah, I think it was kind of like they showed a chart for a few seconds and then the next chart, next chart, next chart, and at, at a certain point, charts starts repeating and the users can click whenever he or she sees a, a chart that has, he, has been, he has viewed before, right? right? He has already seen. And then they try to figure out uh, what are the, the, the factors that actually lead to memorability, right? They have a way to, so they manually created a few descriptors for the charts and try to see how the most memorable one distribute over these factors, mm-hmm. right? Um, that was a really interesting one. I mean, what I personally really, really liked about the, the paper and the presentation itself is that the study seems to be carried out in a very rigorous manner, and it's really, really interesting. I am a little, a little more skeptical on what's the impact of memorability itself, because there is a little caveat. So memorability, the way they define it is not necessarily, it's actually not whether people remember the content of the chart, but it's more the chart itself, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I think it's really, really interesting, but I'm not sure how applicable this information is. So what's your take on that? Well, I don't know. I think in, in order... So, yeah, it's, it, that, that's a valid point, certainly. But I wonder if that's a, a first step, at least. Because if you remember yeah, the sure. chart... Then even if you don't remember the actual content, that makes it easy for you to go back and figure out what it was, maybe. So it's a bit like it's kind of a slightly different piece of work than what was done last year and uh, 
in the year before at Kai about uh, people remembering the actual content. The charge one. Yes. You mean? Yeah. And yeah. there was another. There was a follow-up paper last year, and um, that. So that was more about the content than the actual chart, but and and some people have asked on on Twitter whether it's it's basically about not so much about memorability, but about basically whether the chart stands out or not, mm-hmm. which may be part of the issue. But that that could also be a good thing because if you if you want to draw attention and people just kind of scroll through things or they flip through pages mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and certain charts stand out, they're going to stop and look at them. So yeah. if you want to draw attention, I think this was also useful guidance to figure out what, what is useful. Yeah. I think another tricky issue there is that, if I remember well, I, know, I don't remember the details, but basically one of the outcome of the study is giving a little bit of guidelines on how to make the chart memorable, mm-hmm. right? And this seems to go, at least to some extent, against some of the principles that we have in, in visualization from the past, right? Um, so I don't know what do you think. I mean, I remember. I think one of the uh, outcome is that if you put images in your charts or objects that are recognizable, yeah, figures color. or colors, lots of colors, then it becomes more memorable, yeah, right? Yeah. But then maybe also even more cluttered. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's true. But so one thing they found, which I thought was really interesting, is that they had these four classes of. Of different charts, and I forget what all of them are, but one of them is well. So there's infographics. Oh yeah, I think I actually remember them. So there's infographics, there's news graphics, there's uh, visualization examples. I think from the like the Infoist conference, and then there are government charts, and they found that the least memorable were the government charts. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. They all yeah, look the yeah, same, yeah. and they all have these very, very simple structure and very kind of very similar types of, of colors and so on and so I think that the interesting thing there is also that the that you want to make if you want to make a point like when, when you're speaking you want to also kind of you know you punch the words you make you make you, you, you try to be a bit louder and a bit more deliberate about those things and it's similar with, with a chart if you're trying to make a point about something using visualization mm-hmm. perhaps you, you want to stand out yeah. and you want to make it look a particular way. It doesn't mean it has to be lots of chunk in there or there has to be a lot of graphics necessarily, but maybe you want to have a bit of a unique color scheme or Absolutely. something like sure. that to sure. just make it stand out a bit so people actually remember it. Otherwise, if you've seen, you know, if you see 15 similar bar charts, they all blend together. You don't remember what they actually were. Yeah. yeah. And I think the, the, the charts coming from scientific papers were second place there, right? Right, scientific they, papers, I was it. Yeah, scientific papers. papers. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and these look pretty clean, right? I mean, the, the first one, infographics, were lots of clutter, but the second right. one was quite, quite clean and still mm-hmm. quite memorable as well. Right, so right. probably reconciling these two kind of things, it's an interesting further kind of mm-hmm. work and research, right? Yeah. And I think we also have to mention the the dinosaur kind of meme. <laughs> <laughs> that was fun. That yeah. that took on a bit of a life on its own, <laughs> of its own. Yeah. Yeah. You you want to explain what? Oh, what so that was? Yeah. there was one of the examples that Michelle showed. I think had a, a dinosaur in it, and and that was kind of her example for putting mem- memorable or or uh, un- 
the recognizable images into a chart. <laughs> and then people started doing that in their talks to say, this is an important point. It, right? So here's a dinosaur. <laughs> yeah, actually, well, so uh, I, I, I stole that idea from Daniel Fisher. He, he did that in his talk. And so I, I Googled for a dinosaur picture and said, you know, put this in there as well. Just to yeah. make it fun and, and more memorable. Yeah, yeah, that, that was a lot of fun. Yeah, but let's move on in the same sessions. There were So I have to say that this was the session on storytelling and presentation. So arguably a very interesting session for our listeners here. Uh, what else we had there? Um, so we had sketchy story from... I think mostly people from Microsoft Research here, right? Yeah, so that paper was about basically creating infographic style visualizations very quickly by sketching and then having the system use those sketches to show data in different ways using bar chart type things or uh, circular charts they're like like a bit like donut charts and a few other types and just quickly sketching those and laying them out on a, on a large display i guess yeah yeah, I think it's hard to explain. Yeah, it's easy to see. It's, it, you can see the images. It's, so it's pretty easier. obvious. We should actually, maybe I'll try to post something on the on the blog post after recording the... Maybe some links out to the papers would be useful. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Well, actually, the first one, so this is a different session than what we were talking about earlier, but the uh, the first paper in that session was uh, Jessica Hallman's paper on oh, yeah, yeah, understanding sequence and narrative visualization, which I thought was really interesting because That's she looked really at how, the, how news graphics use sequence to to get points across and how you can look at different kinds of transitions so that uh, th that that either walk you through so one, one of the terms I'd like from from that paper is something that she calls the metric walk where you go from one way of looking at the data to a different type of, of to, to looking at the same data but using a different measure and then and then kind of walk people through through essentially an argument of, of what you're trying to tell them. And then also there's a thing about how the, uh, the there are different transitions that that um, basically mi try to minimize the change, so you can you can see the same thing from kind of different sides and and and, be, and, and walk through the 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 story that way. So there there's lots of interesting interesting stuff in that that paper. They have something. Did they define something like change cost? If I remember yes, well, something yeah, some yeah. kind of cost. Yeah, that was really interesting. I think what is interesting there again, I think is. It's how they integrated different pieces of research there. So they've been coding uh, a very large number of examples to try to tease out what are the main factors in coming up with uh, with, with useful sequences, right? Mm -hmm. And and then they also built some software on top of that, right? Am I right? Um, no, or I a library. That's... I think uh, they have a library or something that actually tries to suggest what's the best sequence given an existing sequence. Okay. Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I think there is also some software built on top of that. Mm -hmm. Really interesting work. I really like that one. And, and useful. I think it's really useful. Oh yeah, so, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what else? Oh, then we had this one on using concrete scales, mm -hmm. a practical framework for effective visual depiction of complex measures. I know that you had some little concerns with this one. Um, yeah, you want to explain what what that was? Uh, yeah, sure. So the the yeah. idea there is. It's actually a really good idea. I find it really interesting. I have to admit. I mean, the idea was interesting, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the idea was <laughs> to basically use real-world objects to compare something to. So one of the examples was how much sugar is in a can of Coke, for example. So they would show 
the actual sugar amount in terms of sugar cubes, they would actually depict it like that. Or they would have, like, uh, when it's about money, they would stack up money and then compare that to, like, the Statue of Liberty or something like that. So that would be a, a concrete thing that you can co could con compare to. And it's a, that's a good idea. I don't actually I don't argue against that. The uh, the thing that I had a problem with is that when you get that there's a certain limit to the size that you can depict because it works well for small things and for like the sugar cubes because you can relate to those. But when they compare things to like the Statue of Liberty or the, another example that they used is a, a graphic that has like a. a an image of the of the globe of the, of the Earth, and it has all the water in the ocean as a sphere sitting on top of Europe, basically. And and I just have no idea what that means because I don't have a sense of how big Europe is and how big a in you know in in, in terms of a of a of something I can relate to that just doesn't make any sense to me, and because it's just way too big. And then you have a sphere on top of that that is roughly the the, the diameter is roughly that of, of of Western Europe, and that just doesn't really that, that 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 as a sphere is just not not a concept that I can grok. So I just didn't. So I feel that there is a certain limit to what you can depict using concrete scales because it just goes way outside your actual experience, and then you get to the point where it doesn't actually make any sense anymore. Yeah. But so that's my concern. But otherwise, it's a really good paper, and and the the presentation was actually very funny because they they did some really clever things there with <laughs> actually using some physical objects to to show stuff, and that was pretty well done. So. <laughs> yeah, it was a kind of a little show there. Yeah, it reminded <laughs> me Nigel Holmes when oh, he yeah. did this uh, tapestry. Yeah, yeah, tapestry when he actually came. Uh, how was it? So he wanted to show the length of the. Uh, longest jump at the Olympics, right. right? Yeah, so 29 feet and, and a bit. Yeah. And he had like a piece of string of that <laughs> length to show how long that actually is because just that number isn't something that you really can, even if it's a very easy number, but it's actually not something you can really easily depict or, or, or picture in your in your head. And so he actually showed it as an actual length. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. and I have to say that, that this reminded me that the fiction in the real world, when you see these things in your own physical space, then it really makes a big, big difference, oh, yeah. right? Mm. Yeah, cool paper anyway. Mm. Um, then we had what? Uh, visual sedimentation was cool as well, right? Mm -hmm. um, so if I remember well, the idea of visual sedimentation is to use the metaphor of snow accumulating on top of some objects so this this metaphor is used to deal with uh, dynamic data or streaming data. So how do you deal with streaming data in visualization? And they come up with these interesting metaphors that basically the objects, the, in, the incoming objects, uh, form some kind of. Um, it's I don't know six what to call thirty. That. Oh, that's my that's my computer. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, for instance, in, in one of the examples, they have they have objects that are falling on top of some bar charts, and the length of the bar charts changes in time. But you can also see these little bubbles uh, accumulating on one on top of the other and slowly being absorbed by the bars, right? And then I think they did a good job in um, showing what are the parameters of this kind of system. 
and how the visualization changes when these parameters change and they also try to apply the same idea to many different kind of visualization techniques. I find it really interesting and I think they also have a library out there that people can use. I, I think, think it's so, written yeah, on yeah. D3, so yeah, they, I yeah. think they also did a quite good job on having a nice web page out there, a GitHub repository with the library. So if any of you guys is interested in doing in using this library, again, I will post the link on the blog post, and you can go there and just give it a look and use it. Do you have any comments on that on that one? Well, I, yeah, I like it. It's actually it's a very effective way of showing change. They had a, a neat collaboration with a TV station where they were using oh, this yeah. as part of a TV show and you could see these bubbles kind of dropping onto the bars in the background and for, for like tweets that I don't remember what it actually was about but it, it, it's yeah. nice and actually it's an actual real use of that visualization in, in the media which is kind of neat so that was pretty cool. Yeah. That was cool. Okay, uh, let's move on to something else that might be interesting for our Listeners, uh, what else? I'm just flipping through the program. <laughs> Is there anything special you want to mention, Robert? I skipped, I have to confess, I skipped so many sessions there. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, I didn't go to all the sessions either. But there was, there was a paper um, by Carlos Scheidegger and his colleagues at uh, oh, AT&T yeah. Research on uh, nanocubes which is a, a way of showing a lot of data uh, on the map. I'm not sure if it's actually tied to map necessarily, but that's what they're doing in their examples, in their current uh, data um, uh, uses. And it's, it's very nice because it, 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 it actually shows a lot of data, like for example, it shows tweets uh, on the map that are happening during a certain time. And you can zoom in it out, and it adapts the display to where you are, so that the density or the, the resolution actually changes depending on how far away, how, how far you're zoomed in or out. And it's very, very fast, and it can deal with a very large amount of data. So it's a very nice, nice uh, system, and it's also all open source. So there's a website, nanocubes.net, where you can actually play with it if your if your browser uh, does WebGL, so it uses WebGL. Um, which basically means Chrome, I guess. Um, mm -hmm. There maybe mm -hmm. Firefox. I'm not sure. I don't use Firefox. Yeah, I don't know. But uh, Chrome definitely works. But um, so you can play with it, and also there there are links there to I guess the paper and to the GitHub repository. So you can download the code and play with that. So it's pretty nice. And it's a really cool idea. It's very it's kind of straightforward because you can really see very easily what it's about. But it, the, the engineering behind it's pretty interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. I think that was a cool one. I think, especially, if, I think it's the first technology I see on the web where, for visualization, that really scales to a lot of data points. Mm. Right. That's 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 new. Um, what else? Well, you participated to a quite nice panel. Oh. <laughs> that was a very yeah. controversial one. Maybe a little artificially controversial. I don't know. No, no. I think it was no, it was quite that controversial. That so, that the panel uh, was on big data. I don't remember exactly the title. Was it a means to an end or an end to a mean? Yes, <laughs> yeah, yes. something like that. Um, organized by Ritratas Gupta, who is actually also working in my my same department, and he's a former student of yours, yeah. right? Um, so there were how many participants on the panel? You, Carlos Scheidegger from AT&T, um, 
Daniel, Hi- Fisch- Daniel Fisher from Microsoft, Microsoft Research, Research. Right. Uh, Heidi Lam from Google, and then Daniel Keim from University of Constance, who basically played the part of uh, the academics against right. <laughs> against uh, people from industry, right? And there were quite some good points out there. So, what was your main 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 take there? I mean, yeah. I think you tried to give the tableau perspective kind of thing yeah I wouldn't necessarily call it that but I, I was trying so my my part was I was trying to be uh, the, the nasty guy basically saying <laughs> that you know academics need to need to do things differently if they want to be relevant in the big data era and the, uh, the my main two points are basically that Infobiz prototypes that you know the, the kind of software that people built for for research needs to talk to databases because that's where the actual real big data lives. People don't use CSV files. They have the data in databases. And databases are also useful because they can do a lot of work for you. So you don't, you know, aggregation, which I'll get to in a second, but uh, aggregation can be done through database. Um, a lot of information about the data can be gotten from the database. And of course you can't, if it's really big data, you can actually have it all in memory, like a lot of, of interviews tools do. They just load in a data file and they expect to be able to do that in memory, which you just can't do if you have terabytes of data. So that was my, my first point. My second point was to say, well, if you have millions or hundreds of millions of data points or records in your database, you can't just show them all you know, as individual points, like in a scatter plot or parallel coordinates. You have to actually go and think about aggregation and, and think about different ways of showing that data than, than just doing a one-to-one mapping of data point to something on the screen. And that's something is, that's I think is really really important because we we still see a lot of work that goes essentially one to one from data point to to point on the screen or whatever the point actually is. Yeah. And so that that's something that that I really feel people need to change their thinking a bit and and think more about how to aggregate the data up, how to break it up from the top down rather than from the bottom up. Yeah, absolutely. And. And if you start thinking about how to interact with that, then it's even more complex. Oh yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And I think there were also some interesting discussions on whether we really—I mean—is it really a problem for visual? So we sh- so should we try to tackle this problem at all? Or I think one of the points of Daniel Kime was: well, we still have to solve so many problems with small data sets that it doesn't really make sense to to work with so with super big data sets, mm. which I think it's an interesting point. But at the same time, I think you also answered, well, but there are people who really have problems with a lot of data, oh, yeah. right? Yeah. And what what do we do with them? I mean, it's it's definitely a big, uh, yeah, a big problem there and not easy to solve. Um, yeah, what else was there? I think at some point the discussion was quite <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We started the little fight on stage, actually, yeah. but uh, it was good. There was there were there were good comments, and we we had a good discussion about all kinds of issues, like where does the actual where does the name come from, and and, and things like that. But I think that's that turned out into a pretty good discussion overall. Yeah, I think another interesting point is that I think again it was Daniel mentioning that that it was kind of like well, right now we are we are all dealing with this big data hype, but in a few years it's probably going to end and we still are we will still have the same problems in our hands, right? That, that, that was interesting to me. Um, 
What else, Robert? Well, there was actually another panel. So there was a, this, another panel on evaluation. That was the day before, I think, that talk where um, I'm, I don't oh, remember yeah, who was, was actually on that, that panel, but there was uh, Min Chen, Tamara Munzner, um, who else? Brian Fisher and one more. Oh, David Ebert. Yeah. And the uh, and it was organized by Bob Laramie. And the the idea was to basically talk about the role of evaluation in, in visualization, which kind of turned into the role <laughs> of evaluation in getting papers accepted. In getting papers accepted. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah, yeah. That's that's a, an important discussion <laughs> for people, and it it actually was kind of interesting to see people basically argue against the need for so much evaluation. So evaluation is obviously a good thing, and that was a good discussion. Min Chen has some good points about um, uh, what he called user studies versus versus empirical studies. So one of them is basically testing your 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 new technique. It's a user study, and empirical studies is basically about learning more about how visualization works. And, and how humans a, work as right, well, right? Exactly, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that yeah, was really yeah. good. But then the other, the, much of the other discussion was about how 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 much the reviewers should insist on user studies for new techniques and new ideas. And I think that that there is a bit of a perception now that that a lot of people a lot of papers get shut down shut down by reviewers who just insist on a study even if it isn't all that important in the beginning perhaps or if you can kind of see that it's a good idea but you always insist on getting the study for it as well and it might help to just get it out there and then see you know have somebody else do the study for example so it's not even the same authors and so on so there is some interesting points there. Yeah, awesome yeah. yeah, I think so. Um, what else, Robert? I let you. I'm I'm talking too much. <laughs> no, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, there is yeah, sure. There are some. Um, let me see. I'm also going through my notes here. Um, there was a. There were some papers that we just saw, actually. Oh, yeah. So there is a paper that, that was kind of interesting in in somewhat unusual way that, that talked about how to pick the right aspect ratio for a scatterplot. Oh, yeah. And that is an interesting problem. So basically, the question is, if you have a certain distribution of points that you want to depict in a scatterplot, should that be a square or a rectangle, how long... How versus how wide, maybe how it should be higher, like taller than wide, or the other way around. And that, that paper had some interesting, well, the, the presentation was interesting because that's obviously an important question. And they, they had some, they had a technique that's based on the Delaunay triangulation of the points, and that has kind of a bit of a uh, recursive kind of nature because they have to basically scale it, triangulate, See if it if certain criteria are met, and then change it, and then see if the triangulation changes or not. What was interesting is that they mentioned that there is a study apparently that says that when you give people points that are distributed on a piece of paper and ask them to draw lines between them, that ninety eight percent of the lines that people draw are actually Delaunay edges. Oh yeah, yeah, that, that so was a cool one. Yeah. I did not know that. That was really interesting. I didn't realize that Delaunay triangulation was so close to kind of the natural way we think about edges. That did was you try to search for the original paper? No, but, but I think that? there's probably a reference in the paper, okay. I would assume. Yeah, I haven't actually yeah. looked at it, but that, that's an note I took, and I figured that that would be really interesting to follow up on. But 
uh, that that paper looks interesting. The problem is that the technique is just really slow. So it, it works for a couple hundred data points in, in a quarter of a second or so, but when you increase the number of data points to a couple thousand, it's probably going to take way, way longer. So it's a good idea, that's for sure, but it, it has its limitations the way it's done right now. But the, the this idea of picking there was also paper there were papers in the past on how to pick the aspect ratio for line charts and there are probably gonna be more on different kinds of visualizations and, and, and picking more of those parameters for those. So I think so that this I is like related that. to the Cleveland's yes, right. banking to forty five degrees, right? right? Yeah. I think or the original idea was only for time series or do well, I it was actually well? technically it was only for comparison of two lines. Okay. So yeah. it, the the original study wasn't actually about the whole chart. It was more about what if you have two line segments and you want to compare their slope. Okay. And there was actually a paper last year or the year before that that talked about some limitations in that study and actually showed that the forty five degrees is not actually mm -hmm. the actual correct interpretation of that study. But it's it's kind of that's kind of what's stuck. Okay. So yeah. Uh, but but yeah, that, there are some interesting ideas there on how to pick that the right way. Yeah, yeah I agree. That, that was an interesting one. Um, there is another one I want to talk about uh, from a later Infobiz sessions on on time trees and graphs. Have you seen this one? This diff any about animating or comparing graphs? Have you seen that one? No, I didn't oh, see that. I thought that that was a really interesting one because this is basically a user study kind of work. They try to so th the problem that they try to address is if I have um, something as complex as a graph with nodes and edges connecting points, and these graphs changes in time, how do you? What's the best way to represent that? Mm -hmm. And some of the obvious obvious solutions are having things like small multiples or uh, turn these charts into difference charts where basically every single chart represents the difference between one data point, one point in time and the previous one, or having some sort of animation. So what these guys did was, uh, first of all, uh, defining all these different uh, solutions and also trying to combine these solutions. So if you want to see our graph changes between 10 different data points in time, uh, there might be some kind of changes that are better perceived with um, showing the difference or showing an animation or showing a small multiple and so on. And they ran a few studies on top of that and I thought it was really, really interesting. Not necessarily the most solid thing I've seen around, but I think that was interesting, at least in the way they try to lay out the design space there. And I think this could also be extended to many other kind of cases, at least to some extent, because every time you have something complex on the screen that is changing over time, you don't have too many choices. You either animate it or trying to figure out how to depict the difference, or you have some sort of small multiples, and the idea of integrating these things together, I think it's an interesting one, a very mm. interesting one. Um, what else, Robert? <laughs> well, those were the most the ones that I found really interesting. Um, oh, there was one that was actually kind of unusual today that talked about how you lay uh, out hierarchical data tables. Well, not ta tables as such, but he, the actual, well, in the end it was tables, but uh, he talked about these forms, that these very kind of old-fashioned forms where you fill in certain fields, and 
but the actual technique is more for showing the data, I believe, maybe I'm mm -hmm. wrong. But the idea was that if you have tables and those, and, and this, or if you have essentially more complex structures, so they, they, lo they look at uh, XML files that can have, they have hierarchical structure, but they can ha they're, they're much more complex than simple tables. And uh, they do this, and, and so they have this very interesting nested system where you can you can put a table inside a table and then and then ha also have those tables kind of next to each other or become multi-column tables and this, this sounds kind of odd perhaps but it actually makes a lot of sense when you see it because there is a, a more compact and more interesting layout that way that that makes that gives you a better sense of what the data looks like and this is used for very uh, kind of textual or like mi mixed data sets so where you have like they were looking at um course descriptions where you have a list of, you have a title and maybe a description of the, of the course and then you have readings and you have exams and you have assignments and you have like, for each assignment you have a number of points you get and, and a bunch of other things. And so all of that, to combine it into a single display, even though it's textual, in a way that's automatically laid out and, and he the presenter was talking about how they, how this, this is actually done fairly well when it's done manually, but not when it's done uh, automatically. And they, they had some really good ways of, of doing things that, that looked like it was done manually, even though it's, it's automatic. And that was actually a surprisingly interesting paper, um, even though it wasn't actually visualization as such, it was more like layout of, of a data table. Okay. And I just noticed that we didn't uh, mention at all the best paper, and I have to oh. confess <laughs> that I, given, I didn't give a look to it. I don't know. Did, have you attended? Well, the I was talk? in the other session, in the vast session. Okay, yeah. Time, so, so, so we I... don't know anything about that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, too bad. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I think we pretty much covered all the things that at least were interesting for us. Uh, the only thing that I want to mention uh, is that, of course, there are many, many other things going on. At this is just that that's our very personal view according to what we have been able to attend but in the conference there are many other events taking place like tutorials I think oh, yes, yeah. yeah tutorial I think it's it's one of those things that might be interesting in the future for some of the people who are listening to the podcast I just want to mention that there are many many other things going on here I think there was also an art exhibition or something yes. like that did you have a chance to go there yeah so there this was actually pretty good this year so they had the, the art show has been a part of of this of this week for a while, but it kind of died down over the last few years, and now this year somebody else is running it, and they actually got some really good pieces, and they actually had an a paper session where they had a number of of presentations from people who were doing uh, more artistic work for visualization, which I didn't of course see because it was at the same time as our big data panel. Okay. So there there are about five parallel sessions here or tracks. At the same time, and so that includes tutorials, it includes workshops, there are a number of workshops here. Uh, there's also, we, we entirely ignored Cybis here. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. The scientific organization well, that, papers, of course. That's our personal bios, of course. Right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. It's, so each of us just got to see a, a small number of things. And, and then, you know, you run into people as you're heading to a session, and then you, before you know it, you've talked for half an hour and, and missed a couple of papers. So that's actually, it's kind of good because you tend to get to talk to lots of people, but you also yeah. miss a lot of the actual presentations. Yeah, and there was also an industry session kind of thing with post and some, oh, yeah, yeah, and also yeah. some panels or workshops. Well, there was this kind of track. So in the in the program, there are these these little uh, marks that that kind of tell people 
which of the sessions are considered more irrelevant for for um, industry folks and those are actually that, 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 that was that, that's not a new thing that started last year but it's a good idea to give people a bit of a, a bit of guidance to to you know to to do the more applied or to show the more applied work and uh, things that might be more relevant for industry folks yeah and I think there was also a session on the best challenge oh, yes. so we had actually right. an episode on the show on yeah on the podcast on the best challenge so I wanted to mention that I again unfortunately I couldn't attend that but I, I, I've heard that normally this 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 session is pretty cool because mm. the participants have a chance to uh, compare the results and I think there are also some awards that they give to the oh, people. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard that there have been quite some good, interesting, some interesting submissions, and that was cool. That's definitely cool. Oh, another session that, that I also missed <laughs> was Vislice. Oh, Vislice. We, we should mention that, yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, I missed that too, yeah. So this is a session that they organize now every year, I think, for the last couple of years. That where the idea is that people can just bring things that that are funny and that are usually bad visualization <laughs> visualizations and they're they're not it's not in the program unfortunately but it's kind of uh, it's it's organized as a meetup and that was on uh, Tuesday night or so and uh, that they had I think they had about a hundred people there this time and apparently it was really funny they had you basically just go up and show stuff that you found somewhere that are really bad examples and that are funny and so that 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 can be really good. Uh, especially when you get enough people there to actually show things that that they found, so it's uh, that, that's really and it's nice because it, it gives people a way to kind of relax, know, to just yeah, <laughs> and to make fun of a bit of, of things, which which you know you also need to do sometimes. Yeah, do people bring things they have done on their own? Uh, well, <laughs> I don't know. We could. <laughs> we should. Uh, yeah. Okay, and. So unfortunately, we cannot comment on the on the capstone because mm. that's gonna happen tomorrow. But I'm, I'm I have to say I'm really excited because the capstone will be given by Jarke van Wyk, that maybe some of you might not know, but is actually the the person behind a lot of cool stuff in mm. Infovis. He's been in this field forever, right? I think it's and both from, scientific from, and information visualization. Yeah, both scientific and information visualization. So just to make it clear, he's the guy behind uh, things like uh, bundling edge. What's the name of this technique? Bun edge bundling. Yeah, okay. edge bundling. What else he has done? I think he has done things like so squarified, squarified oh, yeah. tree maps. Well, not, not, no, not squarified, but the cushion tree maps. The cushion tree maps. Squarified tree maps. I think. Oh, was it squarified too? I thought squarified I think I think he did squarified as well. Oh, you're right. Yes, Absolutely. yes, yes. I thought that was Martin Wattenberg, but he was doing. He he just used them for the for his map of the market. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So. And he also so Jarkin also had uh, like papers on on flow visualization. He's done a lot of work there. There's a technique. Um, the line integral convolution was his paper. Okay. Or his yeah. work and a whole number of of things in in Cybis as well. So he's got a very broad range of things. Something really cool that he showed at Darkstool a couple of years ago is something that's called the um, it's a map projection I'm trying to remember oh, the yeah. uh, the name of it. Uh, uh, the multi or not multi heat no. Um, it's got a very clever name that I can't yeah, remember. Yeah. Uh, but basically the idea is that that, that rather than, than than breaking up the globe in the usual way, which is very um, very regular, yeah. he basically goes along 
lines that are defined by some error metric and that produces some very cool uh, ways of, of kind of flattening out the globe and produces some really cool uh, maps. I think it's called mirihedral or something like yeah, that. Yeah, mirihedral projections. Something like that. Yeah, yeah. Which it's, actually look quite artistic as well. Oh yeah, they're awesome. And there's a video that shows how he kind of unfolds the globe in different ways, <laughs> yeah. which is just amazing. So it's really, really cool stuff that yeah. he's doing. Yeah, this is what, what I also like of his work, that he has this kind of artistic or designy kind of mm, yeah, touch. Yeah. I think he's originally an industrial designer oh, okay. uh, by training, so it's really I'm really, really looking forward to see what he's going to Oh, he had at some point he had this tree visualization paper that that was that was called botanical tree. Oh yeah, 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 botanical tree, which was like trees, (laughs) you know, that looked like actual real trees. It was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There are a lot of stuff that he's done, so it's gonna be fun. And he's a really good speaker. He will be really fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I think we can basically conclude here. I just want to mention that. Yeah, this has been really cool as usual, and the next one is gonna be in Paris. Oh yeah. So I think that that could be an option for some of our European listeners mm. might actually want to go there and Paris is always a nice place to go. Right? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I, I have to mention that I hope that Moritz will manage to go there. I'm always, <laughs> I'm always pushing him to go to come to this. I think he, he's never been to any this conference before. So Moritz, when you will be listening to that, <laughs> you, you, you cannot skip that one. And no. um, yeah. You no longer have excuses <laughs> next next year. Uh, well, Robert, thanks a lot. That's well, been a great help. It's 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 really, I'm really happy to have you on the show again. And as I told you at the beginning, we want to have another session with you sometime soon. Sure, okay? absolutely. I'd be happy to. Okay, thank you. <laughs> thank you. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.